This podcast is for information purposes only and is not and should not be construed as professional advice or an offer or commitment by any Rubberbank Group member to enter into a transaction. The views expressed by the presenter and or guests are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of Rubberbank. Please see the podcast description for our full disclaimer. Welcome to RoboTalk's Growing Our Future, where we talk to experts from both here in New Zealand and across the world to bring New Zealand farmers and growers the information they need to make informed strategic decisions about the future direction of their business to ensure they continue to thrive in a fast-changing world. The ageing demographic of New Zealand farmers and growers is a well-known challenge facing the industry. But while it is easy to focus on the average age of farmers pushing 60, on the other hand, New Zealand has an incredible pool of young talent coming through the ranks whom have the desire and capabilities to add significant value to New Zealand's agricultural sector, and in many cases, are already adding that value. I'm your host today, Blake Holgate, and today I'm joined by one of those incredibly talented youth that is already making significant contributions to New Zealand agriculture. To discuss how the sector can engage with young people to best unlock the talent and skills they offer, I'm joined by the former chair of the Food and Fibre Youth Network, Cheyenne Wilson. Cheyenne, welcome to Growing Our Future podcast. Kia ora, thank you for having me. Before we crack into it, keen to just hear a little bit about yourself, about your background and and what you're doing now. Uh, Kia ora, ko Cheyenne Toko Ingoa, ko Tuhoe me Ngāti Awa Ngāiwi. Uh, so I live here in Gisborne at the moment. I uh, grew up down in Southland in the uh, sheep and beef industry and sort of stumbled into dairy farming. So I spent a few years in the dairy industry, moved to Canterbury, continued in the dairy industry there and decided three, four years ago to go to Lincoln University. So I um, Recently graduated from Lincoln University with a Bachelor of Environment and Society and I decided to start my own business in February this year and was going out on my own to do farm advisory and environmental, um, be an environmental advisor. At the same time, Cyclone Gabriel struck New Zealand and wreaked havoc across the countryside, so I took the opportunity to come over to the East Coast and help and support where needed. So I've been here for almost six months now, I think it is, uh, helping out the farmers in need here in the communities. And how's that going, Shane? It's going to be a long road to recovery. I think there's the opportunity, I guess, here, like what was presented to Christchurch with the earthquake, to take a step back and reevaluate what land use looks like here and what changes might need to be made going forward. So it is definitely going to be a long road, but we're getting there slowly. Yeah, like some big issues, some big topics, and we could spend a whole whole podcast on that one. So we might have to circle back to that at another stage. But in terms of the focus of this podcast, I'm talking about how we can really probably untap the value that um, young people can offer to the New Zealand agricultural sector. Now, as I mentioned at the start, you're the very recent chair of um, the Food and Fibre Youth Network. Can you give the listeners a bit of overview about what the network is and, and, and what it does? Yeah, so the aim of the network is to provide industry and government with a pan-sector youth force while allowing a space for youth in the sector to connect and network. The network is funded by MPI, 
with young farmers. So it's a really good opportunity for youth in the sector to share their views and insights so that can be fed to government and industry. Are the government listening to you? They're giving us the time, so I think that's half the battle. I'd like to say that they are starting to change the way that they engage with different organisations, and I think this is probably a good opportunity for them to do that. And I, I do think that they are listening, yes. Good to hear. Now, look, when you and other young people that you talk to and associate look at you know, the future of New Zealand agriculture, what really excites you? about being part of that industry? There's an endless number of opportunities in our sector. And I guess at the core of what we do is we feed people. And I don't think we acknowledge that enough. There's opportunities to innovate, to find solutions to the challenges that we currently face. And I think that's why young people are so engaged with the sector. They want to be at the table when decisions are being made about their future because it it does matter to them if they're not represented at the table when it's their future that is being decided on they won't want to engage in the sector so I think you know the food and fiber youth network is trying to be that youth voice at the table yeah, and you mentioned, you know, being an industry that produces food, which is an inherently good thing to do, right? So there's that real sense of, of pride of being part of that, but also the recognition that this is an opportunity to provide solutions to maybe some of the challenges that we, that we have facing us. Is, is that something that does excite young people? Yeah, absolutely. And I think because young people think outside the box, they're, I want to say their bubbles haven't been burst yet. So they acknowledge the experience that is currently in the sector, but they want to bring a diverse thought process into the room. And I think that's what excites them is that they can offer that. Excellent. And that's what excites you. But what are the concerns you have, again, when when you're looking at the future of the sector and and maybe where it's heading or some of the present day challenges? What are the big ticket items that, that really are front of mind for you? I think one of the biggest concerns is the noise. We want to ensure that, you know, there's a world for us to live in in the future. And we know climate change is real. When it's knocking on your back door, like, you know, in the East Coast and Hawke's Bay and and other regions across the country, you can't ignore it. You know, we want to be part of finding the solutions. And I guess there's a, a sense of angst around that noise that we hear often in the industry around regulation, regulatory changes and what that might look like. But at the end of the day, the aim of a lot of the regulation is to protect our future. And so I guess that concerns us is a lot of that noise that we're hearing around it. Is this noise that is coming from the farming sector? Is it noise that's coming from regulators? Is it noise that's coming from society? Or or is that all the noise that you're referring to? Yeah, I think all of the noise when we consider what our consumers and customers are asking for, we can't take for granted where they're coming from when they're putting pressure on us. The industry, and I guess sometimes our farmers and growers, uh, the noise that they make makes an impact on how young people feel about the industry and how whether young people want to be attracted to the industry or not. It's really hard to be a young person in the industry when so many people say that the world hates you. 
And that hurts, like to be in an industry that feeds the world and people need food, but to hear the industry often saying, and we hear it in the media a lot, that people don't like us or whatever, that doesn't really bode well for wanting to stay in an industry or promote the industry to other young people. So you were talking about more positive messaging coming from the industry itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not just some of the negativity that comes gets directed towards the sector, but actually the, the sector itself also has a role to yet push back on, on the negativity where it needs to, but probably in a, in a really positive framework, I suppose you'd say. Yeah, definitely. And we often hear people say we need to tell our story better. And I think we do a great job of telling our story. We just happen to be talking to each other and not to the external parties that matter. Yeah, so that whole eco-chamber situation, right? Any thoughts or insights how the sector could communicate better outside that eco-chamber? I mean, a great example that I have is when I went to Lincoln University, I was the closest I think I'd ever been to a major city being Christchurch. And I took the opportunity to join urban groups to understand if they really disliked us or if it was just something that we were hearing. And when you show up as an individual person, they don't dislike you. Many of our urban folk have ties to rural communities. And so that was an opportunity for me to engage with people that I wouldn't otherwise. I did find myself in the echo chamber in the industry. And I think if we're having conversations at a really respectful level, then I think that's probably the first step towards making that change. And what were some of the conversations you were having in those groups, Cheyenne? You know, what was the feeling or messaging you you were getting towards you, a representative of someone that came from the industry? How, how were you perceived? I was really well received, or at least I felt like I was really well received. A lot of the people that I engaged with were probably of an older demographic who were either farm owners um, in their time or had parents who owned farms and were retiring in the city. So I guess that is probably a different group of people, but they were all really respectful about, you know, what we do. They understood where we come from as an industry and what we do in our industry. And they are also in a position to advocate for our industry. They've seen the changes over their lifetimes and they're, they want to understand more around what's happening right now on farm. And But they also are advocates for us in urban settings as well. And what about some of the, the younger non-farming generation, which I'm assuming you also interact with at times? What does their perception of the sector look like? Yeah, young people are very enthusiastic and it can be confronting, I guess, sometimes when we have young people of an urban demographic who don't understand agriculture, are influenced by a lot of what we see on TikTok and social media and stuff like that. So I guess the approach for me was the same, to sit down and have a cup of tea and have a really respectful conversation. And that's a two-way street, right? I want to understand more where they're coming from, what they do, what their drivers are, just like they want to understand mine. So I guess as long as it's a two-way conversation, I don't think you can go wrong. There's nothing to lose. And we don't all have to agree on everything, but I think it's right to at least give each other the opportunity to hear each other out. And do you think that the ag sector does that enough in terms of the, the listening part of the, the conversation to actually, I suppose, 
get to the heart of what some of the issues or concerns are. You know, you, you mentioned telling a story, which is absolutely a, a great thing to do. And as you said, in lots of ways, do it really well. But we've got to be making sure we're, we're pitching the right story at the right people to be addressing what they want to be talking about, right? Do we do enough to understand what it is we need to be pitching that story at? Yeah, I mean, we can always do better, right? And we've started and we just need to keep progressing that. And and it'll take time. I mean, often uh, we talk about the 100 cups of tea. And I think if we continue with that, we're building relationships. And I think we can always do better. Yeah. Excellent. So we've talked a little bit about what excites you about the industry and, and some of the challenges and concerns, but what are the main opportunities for young people in the ag sector? The opportunity to develop the solutions uh, to the issues that we face as an industry and as a nation, youth will lead the way in how we engage with our urban communities, our marginalised communities. And I'm really excited that young people want to do better, that they want to understand Māori communities or marginalised communities more, that they want to start, I guess, building those relationships. You know, traditionally, egg's probably been an industry where if you grew up in the industry, you know, there's a high chance you continue in the industry, but always found it really hard to attract people from outside the industry into the industry. Is that changing or is that still the case? I think it is still the case. We have a lot of campaigns around how many people we want to get into the industry. I think we could do a better job of working collectively in that respect. I think we often silo things. So, you know, we might have our sheep and beef industry promoting sheep and beef, our dairy industry promote dairy, but we're all vying for the same people. Um, And I think if we flip things on its head and we make it people first or about what that person wants and what they want to achieve in life and we design the role for them like or like marketing social media all of that sort of stuff is you know young people want to be influencers an influencer who feeds the world is a pretty cool thing I think so if we flip the way that we address these young people and the way that we look at the roles that we have I think that'll go a long way to attracting the people that we need in the sector. And when we consider that the future, New Zealand's demographic, especially for Māori, our Māori demographic is young. And so our industry needs to be really considering what the future the industry looks like because it should be young Māori people. What are we doing to make sure that they feel like they belong in our sector? What is being done at the moment, Cheyenne? Not enough, I would say. I think, you know, coming from a a young wahine perspective, I have always had people that I'm really close to that I can look up to young, like um, other Māori wahine or tāne that I can look up to. I guess it's difficult when there's so few of us at the minute, we're all really well connected with each other we just all seem to be taking on a lot and we it's often the same people that are asked to sit at the table because we need diversity and that sort of thing. I think if we did a better job of how we address that um, and what that might look like, then I think we could go a long way, but there's definitely a lot more that can be done in that space for sure. 
Okay. And what are some of the, the unique skills and, and values that young people can bring, you know, not just to the sector, but, you know, individual farming businesses, right? As I said at the start, you know, from a demographic point of view, we do have an aging population of farming and, and growers. What is the advantage or what do young people really bring to the table to farming businesses? Yeah, they're really passionate. They're excited about what the future might bring. When I consider young people that I went through university with, we all went through university under COVID rules. And so the people that are coming out with degrees now are different to who was coming out of university previously. And I guess they have some other tools in their toolbox that we maybe didn't have before around utilising a lot of the technologies that they needed during online remote learning and what that might have looked like. I mean, when we consider what AI tools are available, young people want to utilise those tools, but they also want to help other people learn how to use them. And I think that's a really respectful thing that young people can offer the industry is around helping those more experienced people in the industry understand the tools that are available now. But those experienced people also have so much to teach younger people as well. Yes, again, it's really, you know, that two-way relationship, right? Where, yeah, to your point, potentially some of those younger people can act as a bridge maybe for the for the technology, which will become increasingly business as usual for farming businesses, as, as we've discussed on previous podcasts around the rise of digital. But equally, perhaps some of those more instinctive, you know, the intuition around farming and understanding the natural capital of land and, and farming systems is, is, is maybe a great opportunity for the young people to learn from that older generation. Yeah, definitely. And when we consider... Young people are so values-based. Everything they do is values-driven. And for myself, like I hold myself accountable to all of the values that I live by. I won't jeopardise my values for a role, an organisation or anyone else because I'm accountable to myself, to my whanau, um, my tupuna. And so I guess when I consider how we address the industry and the workforce, we need to consider the values that are driving individuals. And what are some of those values, Shane? What, what are some of the key or most common ones that you continually see coming through? I mean, for me, manakitanga is a big one. And I mean, we all have different interpretations of what that might look like, but at the heart of what we do as an industry is feed people, right? And that is manaki on a massive scale. And so when we break down what we do with our land, with our environment, it is looking after people. It's looking after people, whether that is through the food that we produce or the mahinga kai practices that we can help protect and influence. I guess that is a big one for me. And whenever I go to my kuro or nan's house, there's always a pot of kai on the stove you're always getting fed. And so if we take that attitude into everything that we do as an industry, bringing people in, looking after them, mentoring, like that's what young people are wanting to do. It's just marketing seems to be the only way that I can describe it um, or the only way that encapsulates everything that I want to achieve and kind of the view that I see young people have. In a practical sense, when you have a, say, a farming business that is looking to engage a young person, whether that's as an employee or a consultant or business partner, 
how do they go about providing or making clear, you know, what their values are and, and what is the young person looking for in that business to demonstrate that they are aligned to the same values that they have? Yeah, so our, our staff and our businesses are walking billboards. Uh, they'll either promote our business and industry or they'll discourage people from joining. And so if we concentrate on them and if we have conversations with them, listen to them, take their insights and recommendations and either implement them or adjust our current practices, that will go a long way. I mean, it's one thing to say that our values are something, it's another to live it. And I think our behaviours demonstrate our values. And that's why when we look at businesses, it's the staff that will be really brutally honest about whether values are being implemented or not. I mean, if I take a couple of examples from my journey through the industry, I mean, I had a she milking couple that I worked for that would cook dinner for me a couple of times a week because as a young single person on farm, the last thing that you want to do during carving is go home and cook a meal. And they might not have realised it at the time, but that went a really long way in making me feel valued as a team member and part of their whānau. And I probably had quite a few similar interactions with people like that and so I mean a few years ago I was in mid-Canterbury on a dairy farm and I hosted Christmas at my house for all of the people that were immigrants and didn't really have a home for Christmas as to say and so it was a beautiful way of bringing a community together you know those are really practical steps that aren't that hard to do. Yeah, interesting. It's, it's a great point because you know often we get hung up on the on the big ticket items, right? Like you know, what's the salary, what's the work as, what's the flexibility, but sometimes it's those smaller, you know, almost more meaningful gestures that go a heck of a lot long way. And, and really, I suppose it's about relationship building, really. Yeah, absolutely. And probably building on that, you know, how well do you think the industry? does that at the moment, you know, engaging with with young people, some of those, whether it's the less tangible stuff or whatever it is, what is the feeling out there amongst youth around how well businesses are looking after young employees right now? I think there's plenty of grassroots examples of where people are doing a really great job of engaging with young people, of listening to them, of supporting them in their decisions. But I do think when we consider who's in the room at all of the conferences that we have across the board, it's always the same people. And I think we need to reflect on why that is and what opportunities we could offer young people to get in those rooms with, you know, some of the big wigs to be able to network, to learn from some of the speakers. You know, we could introduce young people to some really key people in the industry. And and I often take the opportunity to do that because I think it's really important that we promote others in the sector and I think that's what young people are looking for and I think that's something that we can do really easily is you know when we're climbing the ladder we don't want to be pulling the ladder up behind us we want to be giving other people a hand up behind us as well and with us. Yeah again a great point so you, you, I'm thinking from the personal development growth perspective, is that something that is really important to young people to have that that opportunity to progress and, and grow in their in their skill set? 
Yeah, definitely. There's a real respect for the experience that others have in the sector and the connections that they have. Um, and so many people are, are willing to to connect you with others that they see you might benefit from knowing that person or that person could benefit from knowing you as well. So it's a, you know, we go back to that two-way conversation and relationship as well. And so I definitely think young people are wanting those interactions, often don't know where to start. We're quite fortunate in the industry at the moment that we've got some really good mentorships that have been developed in a really formal manner that allows people the opportunity to connect with you know, leaders in the industry that they might not otherwise get to. And that's sort of the starting point. Yeah, so is that something our listeners might think about from that mentor perspective, that that is something that is, is really valued by young people and in a way if people look to contribute and, and give back to the sector may want to think about how they can take on, on that role, whether it's really formal or maybe in a less formal manner. Yeah, definitely. When we consider that Agriwin's Development Trust Generation Change had a mentor program that they developed through that course and connecting some of those early career women with leaders in the industry went such a long way, both helping them build confidence to connect with opportunities in the sector. Uh, I think that's a really good example. So in, in terms of career pathways, traditionally it's been, you know, working on a farm or in the industry with the end goal being some kind of farm ownership, I suppose, for a lot of people being what career and ag look like. Is that still the case or is there a greater sort of diversity around what a career in the agricultural industry looks like and, and what the end goal is for young people coming through? Yeah, I think there is diversity of that now. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, when I was younger in the industry, my end goal was to own a farm. I'm probably more realistic about whether that is achievable for myself now. And I think young people are aiming for different things now and are probably, because they're more values driven, now are aiming to influence and whether that be through the kai that we put into the world or the way that we protect our environments. So I think there's different ways that, that young people are addressing that now and I think that's really cool. Yeah, so I'm thinking from a potential employer perspective, the value you can offer a younger employer might not necessarily be a pathway to ownership, but the opportunities to take part in, and whether you say whether it's the forums or, or discussions or, or somehow being able to influence the industry or, or the sector in a way might, might be the, a greater value than actually a pathway to ownership. Yeah, absolutely. And when we think of young people who really want to look after other people, that might be in the form of them taking on a health and safety officer role rather than some of the on-farm stuff or just having an opportunity to dabble in that space as well and figuring out whether that is a space that they want to continue in and I guess promoting those opportunities for them. It's often really hard to promote people to leave your business because especially good people, right? And the best thing is often to do that and to allow them the room to grow. If we continue to do that, we, you know, we'll be fine as an industry. Excellent. Look, I think there's been some really, really great insights there, um, Cheyenne, and really enjoyed the discussion. Are there any sort of key takeaways or, or messages you'd, you'd like to leave with our listeners in respect of, you know, how can the sector engage with young people to really unlock the many talents and capabilities and skills and, and values that they can offer to New Zealand farming going forward? 
Yeah, I think as long as we start having conversations with young people that we don't expect one person to be the voice of all all young people and we speak to multiple young people, early career people in the industry, I think we'll be fine. And if we continue to develop some of those associate director roles that allow young people to have a seat at the table and hear the conversations that are happening around the table, I think that will be the starting point. Yeah, so it's just that opportunity to contribute perhaps in a, in a wider sense than traditionally we've, we've seen contribution might be a, a great starting point. But again, I think the energy and the insights that the younger generation can bring through is, can be something that the industry needs to really tap into and can really suppose, take us to that next level. So look, really appreciate the conversation and, and, and all the work that you are doing around the sector and, and, and up there in, in, in Gisborne, which probably highlights in a very tangible way your your values and how, how you're living them. So no, really appreciate the conversation, Cheyenne, and, and looking really forward to, to seeing how your career progresses from here. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Robotalk's Growing Our Future podcast. If you're interested in learning more about how Rubberbank can support you to succeed in the future, please go to rubberbank.co.nz.